if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven happen. Could this thing be? Like, even God can't do what that man just said was going to happen. But I love the prophet. Listen to what he says. He said, you'll see it with your own eyes. But you won't get to eat it. Oh. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why? Why? Why are we sitting here until we die? This question should echo in the sanctuary of every church on planet earth. If we say, let us enter the city, the famine's in the city, we're going to die there. And if we sit out here, we're going to die here. So now, come let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But, but, but you can't read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible. But when they came to the edge of the camp, the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made an army of Syrians hear the sound of chariots and the horses, the sound of a great army. Four guys, four guys made so much noise. Hello, somebody. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight, abandoned their tents, their homes, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid themselves. And they came back and entered another tent, carried off things from it. And they went and hid them. And they said to one another, we're not doing right. We're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, let us go and tell the king and his whole house. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? I'm a realist, and so I know some truths. It's hard to look through a storm and see the sun shining on the other side. A couple of you said amen. A couple of you sitting there just now realizing he's right. Now, if you've been through a couple of storms, you, you, you're not as much intimidated maybe by some of them. I can remember late at night, storms waking us up. Uh, you know, uh, not this year, but last year, one in the middle of the night, a storm woke my wife and I up. And, and, and we, we got, it was so loud and it was just moving so powerfully and shaking the house and those things. We actually walked out on the front porch. In the middle of the night. That was smart. And we sat down in the chairs. We took some video. Why? Because see, we done been through some storms and we know it ain't going to last. The morning's coming. And instead of being in fear of it, the fact that we knew it would be over soon gave us peace in the middle of it. Come on, somebody. 
it's, it's hard to look through a storm and see the sun on the other side. I, I get that, right? But I'm, I'm here. This is what I'm hearing prophetically from the Lord. I, I need you to grab this. Don't doubt in the dark what God has spoken to you in the light. No matter how bad things feel, I firmly believe that for us as the people of God, that the best is yet to come. The Word of God said in the light that the latter shall be greater than the former. And I read about revivals, I read about movements of God, and I read about how powerful they are, and our hearts long to see those things again. But you've got to understand, God said we won't see those things again. He's already declared it. He's told us what we're going to see is better than that. Why do we continue to long for less? It's going to require a little faith this morning, maybe even in worship. And I actually said, I actually said to our leadership team last night before I left, I said, I got some work to do on the sermon, y'all pray. But maybe tomorrow is just a longer worship set. I don't know. I don't have anything to do with worship. And trust me, y'all don't want me to. But last week I made a statement, and I believe it was prophetically from the Lord. Nothing can stop the purpose of God. Nothing can stop that. I'll say it all day, every day, because I believe it. We've been hit hard. Somebody say amen. I'm going to say this as gentle as I can this morning, because I want to be encouraging. I ask the Lord to give us an encouraging word. I'm not trying to make light of situations this morning. I'm not trying to make little of circumstances. There's a multitude of people right here in this room, maybe even listening to us, that have been hurting physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally. I get it. But I believe that God has sent the church. I believe that God has sent His Spirit to speak to us. Right? I believe He he has come to speak to us, not to minimize our hurts, not to make light of those things in the middle of our storms, but to say to us that a lighthouse is shining. It's the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Word of God in our lives to say to us, listen, you're not going to go under. A lighthouse says to us, don't quit. Don't stop hoping. Don't stop dreaming. Don't give in to your feelings of hopelessness. A lighthouse shines not to deny the storm, church. It shines because the storm is there. It says to us, there have been others before you that I've navigated and led through. Come on, the Holy Spirit is speaking. There have been others that have been here that also realize now. The storm don't last forever. There have been others that have been through. This is what the lighthouse is saying to us. This is what the Holy Spirit is speaking and shining into darkness. The sun will shine again. Weeping endureth for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. I just believe the Lord is speaking to us that the best is yet to come. That's a stretch for some of us. I get it. It's all right. Listen to me. A lighthouse guides the storm. Tossed. Those who have tossed have been thrown around, thrown to the side. Those who, who, who believe God's word 
It's guiding us. It's leading us that the best is yet to come. Nothing can stop the purpose of God. God will not be outdone by the devil. The one who gets embarrassed in the end is the one who assaults us and attacks us, the accuser of the brethren. Listen, sorry, he, God is going to make him sorry that he ever messed with any of us. Let, let me get to this text quick because we, we just need to move through this. So you get the, the, the reason the prophet is speaking here. So you get the reason that the right-hand man of the king says what he says. There is a famine going on. And the famine is so bad that in order to survive, the people have had to resort to cannibalism. That's right here in your Bible. The prophet, who is our representative of the lighthouse in this moment, he declares, by this time tomorrow... It's going to change. By this time tomorrow, there ain't going to be any lack. There ain't going to be any hopelessness. There ain't going to be any fear. There's going to be plenty. There's going to be abundance. There's going to be food. There's going to be money. And I am sure that just like in this room today, that there were some then, come on church, who were too beat up by the situation and the circumstance to believe what the prophet was saying. They were overcome by grief to even listen to what he had to say. Come on. You, you can't say that to me. You don't understand to survive. I just had to eat uncle. This time tomorrow, do you know how long we've been in a famine? It's so bad we're eating each other. How's it going to change overnight? Come on, somebody. Some of y'all have been going through some stuff so bad that you can't never see it shine again. You don't believe the sun's going to shine tomorrow. It can't change overnight. Hopelessness and despair can actually close your ears and eyes to better days. Somebody say amen. And one man speaks up, the right-hand man of the king. You know what he says? I, I don't, this guy, don't believe him. Even if God himself were open up all the windows of heaven, what he just said can't happen. He is publicly disputing the word of God. But here's the truth. He was only saying out loud what many people were thinking inside. Oh, come on. And the pro I love how the prophet answered. Didn't even, he probably even cut him off. And he says, you know what? You're going to see it, but you're not going to benefit from it. I love it. In other words, you have decided for yourself. I love this. The fate of your life by your own words. This city's locked up. The supply lines are tight. We're locked down. Come on, somebody. The king of Syria He's besieged Samaria, been a dad. And the Bible says there was a great famine. But there were four lepers, four guys who have been condemned to death 
Four guys who have no hope whatsoever. Four guys who have lost community. Four guys who have lost relationship. Four guys who have been abandoned and forsaken. Four guys who are living in misery and suffering. Four guys who have leprosy. The Bible says they're sitting outside. And they said to each other, why are we going to sit here till we die? Let's, let's fall into the hands of the Syrians because all they can do is kill us. Well, if that's what we're going to do here, why don't we take our chances there? So the Bible says that they started moving toward their enemy. Oh, y'all, you can't, I'm just telling... The Bible says that these four men decided that to sit there and die was not a good idea. And the only option they had was to move towards their enemy. Now, most of us, we run from our enemies. Come on. Yes, we do. Sickness and disease, poverty and struggle. We run from all those things. Drama. Relation. We run from those things. Come on, church. I need to say something right here, right now, right where we're at. There's some of y'all in this room that need to start moving towards your enemy. Isaiah, Isaiah confirms this. Isaiah 28, 6 says, for, for God is for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. There's a, there's a true little statement out there. Nobody loves a warrior until an enemy shows up at the gate. But Isaiah says, God is for strength to them who turn the battle to the gate. God is for strength to them who start moving towards their enemy. God is for strength to them who stop being paralyzed by problems in life. Instead, they begin to take those problems on head on. And the Bible says that as they walked towards their enemy, I don't have time to read your Bible to you, the, the miracle started manifesting. The Syrian army heard an army approaching. And it was so loud. There was so much commotion that it scared them so bad that they were convinced that the army that was coming towards them was bigger and more equipped than them. And they left everything. And when those four lepers who started moving towards their enemy, those four lepers who decided, we're not going to sit here and die in our circumstance. The Bible says that when they got there, there was nobody there. Sometimes your enemy ain't even where you think he is. Sometimes the thing you've been afraid of and hiding from, if you'll get up and start moving, God will move it out of the way. And by the time you get to where you thought the problem was going to be, hello, somebody. And there's stories like this all over this place. We just don't talk about them. I love it. Oh, man, I don't have a lot of time. I just to tell my own story for a minute. My, my knee's been boogered up for a month and a half or so. 
I finally cement, go to the doctor. They take some x-rays, and the, the doctor comes in in panic. There's panic on her face. She said, um, yeah, your knee is broken. There's a big old gap in it. And I'm sending you to a bone doctor right now. So I get up there to that bone doctor, and he takes another x-ray, and he comes in. He said, have you seen the pictures? I said, no. He said, I completely understand why she sent you up here. Because your knee is broken. <laughs> and he said, there's about a half inch gap all the way across the bone. And he said, you shouldn't have been able to walk in her according to those pictures that she took. And the pictures that I've just seen. And now fear is in my heart. Why? I got weddings. I got, I mean, there's youth retreat. The VBS is coming up. I, like, I, I can't. So, yeah, the, the one doctor sent me to the bone doctor said, it would be really good if you don't walk until you see him. And I just said, that's not possible. And so the doctor calls my wife the next morning and she says, yeah, it would be really good if he didn't walk until he saw that doctor. And my wife laughed and she, the doctor on the phone said, I had a feeling that was what you were going to say after I talked to your husband yesterday. My wife said, he's not going to sit down. So I see this doctor with fear in my heart, like what is going to happen? I can't not walk. And he looks at me and he says, you got this big old break in your leg? He said, but that's not your problem. That's not even your pain. He said, what everybody's been afraid of is an injury that's over 30 years old. You see, sometimes we get afraid of stuff that don't even matter anymore. He said, that break's so old and it healed the way it healed, I ain't even bothered with it. He said, but I am interested in how you broke your knee and it never got healed. <laughs> I said, oh, people think I make stories up. <laughs> there were plenty of days where we couldn't walk for a week or so. But see, we were so poor, you just didn't go to the doctor. I mean, like if you weren't gushing blood, you know, they just rub a little dirt on it. I, I, I left that doctor's office with a smile on my face and my wife, she couldn't go with me because, you know, COVID stuff or whatever. And she said, so what did the doctor say? And I said, oh, wait till you hear this story. <laughs> Sometimes if fear is gripped in your heart, something that ain't even real, it's not even there, or something that is old, something that doesn't even matter today. These four guys said, I don't want to die sitting here. I don't want to die this way. Not like this. Listen, if we're going to die, let's at least get up and do something about it. Okay? Like, I, I, this is what we got to do. For God, God is for strength for them that turn the battle to the gate. As they walked towards the enemy, miracles started manifesting. God moved the trouble out of the way. Listen, I just need to ask this a question in the few moments that we have left here. Are you like me and sick and tired of being in the back of the pack eating dust from those who are in the front? Am I the only one? Listen, it's time to change positions. There comes a time when you got to put fear under your feet. Somebody say amen. There comes a time when you got to open your mouth and praise God in spite. Amen. And instead of. 
Uh, there comes a time when you got to open your mouth and praise God because of. Hello, somebody. Listen, I, I need you to understand. They, they, no wonder the devil wants to shut down our praise. No wonder the devil wants to, to make a long worship service seem uncomfortable for us. Why? Because he knows that God inhabits the praises of his people. And the devil not only hates to hear the children of God singing and shouting praises unto God, he dreads to hear it. You know why? Because the devil himself knows that praise binds him up. Y'all not helping me. The devil himself knows that praise confuses him. The devil himself knows that when God's people praise, an atmosphere of the power of God is manifested to destroy and demolish the, the strongholds of the enemy. Listen, praise opens doors and closes doors. Y'all better help me. Paul and Silas begin to praise and prison doors opened. Hey, but at the same time, there's a man named Daniel who began to praise and closed the mouth of lions. Y'all got to understand something here this morning. Listen, they, these guys understood that praise strikes the foundation of strategic satanic strongholds. They said, we do not well. This is not good what we're doing. This is a good day of glad tidings and we hold our peace. What's wrong with us? It's right there in your Bible. That's exactly what they said. This is not a good thing that we do. I believe firmly that through everything that we have been through in the last year and a half, two years, whatever you want to say, the devil has strategically been trying to muzzle the church. To hinder our praise. To hinder our shout. But y'all got to understand, I'm a rebel. Born and bred. Taught to believe that this war ain't over. Come on. I got saved and it turned into godly rebellion. Y'all need to hear me. Just like the children of Israel rebelled against the bondage of Egypt, my Bible tells me that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, there is liberty. My Bible tells me that stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made me free and not to be entangled again to the yokes of bondage. I don't have time to read it to you this morning, but you know the story in 2 Kings 18. Where Elijah, he's the lone prophet facing off with the wicked king and a whole evil religious crowd. That this showdown and God answered by fire. Y'all know the story? And Elijah announced, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Uh oh. And he goes up to pray. And everybody's like, he's crazy. That's why he's my kind of guy. I kind of like crazy people. We fit together. I like being in a room with people who think different, who see things different. Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, and I, I just believe this is where the church is at right now. I believe that we have heard over and over and over and over again the prophetic decree of the Lord. Revival is not coming. Revival is here. And if every one of you people had just snuck down there this weekend and watched what God was doing with young people, you'd sell your life to make sure they were successful. 
I want to stop us right here and have us receive this word from the Lord. Revival is not coming. It is here. We don't need another Pentecost. We need to appropriate the one we've been given. But it's not going to happen without a people who determine to hold fast with passion and intensity and sacrifice and intercession. I'm going to say this and I want you to hear me with your good ears. If the church is going to rise up and take this challenge and push through this awakening that God is birthing is something powerful. And I love that in 2 Kings 18 there, the Bible says that Elijah girded up. He girded up. He girded up his Lord. I don't have time to read you. Y'all worshiped way too long. But see, I believe that we as a church, I'm going to speak to us for just a minute. But I, 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 it's indicative to the body of Christ. But I believe that us as a family, a faith family, a, 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 a group of people who are on mission together, I believe that we've been through a season of girding up. You see, if you're going to run, you've got a plan to do so. Some of y'all just ran in the 5K here, the cover bridge, and you didn't prepare to do so, and you regretted that. Some of you did prepare. I, I, I've heard the story of some people running a half marathon here soon, or you know, you're, you're, going, you're working from the couch to 10 miles or whatever you're doing, right? And you got this program, you're preparing yourself. Listen, if, if I guarantee you, you go to run that 10-mile practice session, you're not wearing your, your three-piece suit or your Sunday dress. You prepare yourself. You gird things up. There's a season of God. We've been through it. Listen to me real. Write it down and just pray over it this week and see what God says for you. I believe that this church has been in a season of girding up for getting everything together. Spiritually, physically, financially, and emotionally. A season of shaking loose all this non-essential things from our lives and getting rid of the excess baggage that we've been dragging around. And some of you got all this baggage that you've been dragging around and, and the stuff that you once enjoyed and you thought well of and all this, and now it's frustrating you. You're like, ah, why is all, come on. You, have you been experiencing it? Why, why is all this stuff here? Why, why is all this stuff in the way? Come on. Why, why is it here? There's this stirring that God has been doing. And it's been applying to our spiritual lives too, right? Excess baggage God's been stirring. We've got to realize what's essential and what's not essential. That's called the girding up process, right? You can't effectively run until you gird up your loins. So girding up speaks of readiness. Elijah takes hold of the task. He didn't sit down in the corner somewhere and say, Well, God, you know, if you want me to do that, you'll tell me what to, to do, and then I'll just get started. No, you know what the Bible says in 18? Listen, you've got to understand, he outruns the chariots. Not just for 50 yards, for 20 miles. He 
He outruns the chariots for 20 miles. You, you got to grab a hold of this. He put the G and go. A divine supernatural power came over him as he went. As he went, like those four lepers. As they went, God began to move. He ran out of the natural and started running into the spiritual supernatural God. And when he slipped over into the supernatural, the Bible says that he outran Ahab's chariots for 20 miles. I I need you to let that set inside of you because, see, God is calling me and you to outrun the enemy. That means the church got to get ready to step into the supernatural. And that's going to put us ahead of Ahab's chariots, church. We're moving into a dimension of supernatural power and authority that will surpass the best the devil has to offer. That song we sang this morning. Come on, it's a prophetic song. You're too good not to believe. Cancer. Come on, you're too good not to believe. Fear, depression, anxiety, addiction, you're too good not to believe. I feel like God is speaking to us and speaking to the church. Get ready, it's time to run. Get ready, it's time to run. Get ready, it's time to run. And I don't want you to just run anywhere. I want you to run headlong into your enemy. Headlong into it. Some of y'all married people have been avoiding your married dysfunction for a long time. It's time to stop all that nonsense. Look at each other in the eye and say, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then all this other mess that we've been dragging around don't matter. It's time to gird up our marriage and start running together. Y'all know. Hey! You got to get some stuff out of there. Some of you young people have been messing around with the world. I'm just telling you right now, it's time to gird yourself up. God's got something for you. I watched these young people this weekend, our middle school group. And and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Legacy never happens unless you invest in that. I'm just going to tell you right now, there is not enough money in our budget going towards supporting our youth ministries. I just believe that with all my heart. And I got some ideas. You can't see 90 kids loving and praying for one another of all ages and not say, God, you are doing something. I feel like the Lord is speaking to us and say it's time to run. You see, we've been locked down. We've been stabled. We've been homebound. We've been in a holding pattern. And we've been spiritually neutral. And we get a little taste of freedom, and all of a sudden we hear the voice of the enemy. You might just get locked down again. Come on, somebody. Negative. I feel like God is saying it is time to run. I said, God, give me a word of hope. And he showed me four guys who said, you know what? If we're going to die, why are we sitting here? 
And then after they got blessed and they heaped all the blessing that God had given them over and over. They ate and they were full. After the word of the Lord was fulfilled in an incredible way, there was more food than anybody could eat. There was more money than anybody could spend. They sat there and said, we're we not doing right. We need to get up and go shape. We need to go share. Let me tell you something. What we've been through has not been for naught. God is speaking to the church. He is speaking to us as a people. And he is telling us it is time to gird ourselves. The church has been making some adjustments. And we've been getting rid of hindrances and excesses and non-essentials. And we've been thinking about what are we supposed to be running with and for. And I say we're ready to run the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what the Lord spoke to my heart. The best is yet to come. I love it that Elisha says, you know what about this time tomorrow? Come on, somebody. I'm not prophesying this thing happens in a turnaround in 24 hours. But you know what tomorrow means to me? The better day's coming. The better day's coming. This is not the end. Hello, somebody. And I've been living off of stuff I ought not be living on. Come on, somebody, just to survive. I've been trying to get through and doing some stuff I ought not be doing just to survive. Come on, somebody. Darkness will pass, and, and the sun will shine on a brighter day. God is not through blessing us. And your sickness, God ain't done. And your struggle emotionally, God is not done. And your depression and anxiety, God is not done. Listen, in your marriage struggle, God is not done. Maybe you are in this room and you're listening right now and you've even experienced the brokenness of marriage and you wonder now, is God done with me? God is not done. Don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Can I say it again? Don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Mr. McMillan came up here at the end of prayer, and he, he, said, he said these words to me, and I, and, I, and I believe it firmly. Someone else had already said it. Mr. McMillan thought it was for one person, but I think it was for all of us. It's time to be done. It's time to be done with the things that handicap us. It's time to be done with excuses. It's time to be done with a lack of faith. It's time to be done with believing in fear. It's time to be done with doubting God because the night has a storm in it. Listen to me, church. The, 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 the lighthouse stands there because of the storm. The word of God is speaking to us because of it, church. And, and it's leading and guiding us through what God is calling. The best is yet to come. The body of Christ is more strategically positioned right now than it ever was. And let me tell you something. You need to turn off the TV and the radio and stop listening to that garbage. It causes nothing but fear, frustration, and anger. Nothing. And let me tell you something. Both sides have got agendas and ain't none of them right. God Almighty is greater than any political system on the face of the planet. 
whether it's democracy or communism. God is greater. The Bible tells me that the government of God will be on his. God is greater than presidents. God is greater than politicians. God is greater than evil. And sometimes I hear stuff and I just smile and go, you know what, God? You're going to turn this all on their head one day. And I'm going to be standing here saying, see, I told you so. You're going to turn it all. I'm going to do my duty as a citizen. Hello, somebody. But God left me on planet earth, not just as a citizen of one of the greatest nations on the planet. But he left me here as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And I don't wait to become a citizen when I die and enter into heaven. Listen to me, church. Heaven started for me the day I got saved. Eternity. Listen, it was set. On that September in 1992, when I got born again. Come on, somebody. Filled with the Spirit of God. God already spoke. I got something for you. I didn't believe it in my heart for the first three weeks. I thought life was over. Time to be a good boy. Right? I'm a Christian now. I can't do stuff that breaks your knees. (laughs) I got to behave myself. And then one night, three-week-old Christian I was under a tent revival a demon manifested and you can ask my wife 300 people under that tent and that preacher he looked at everybody in that tent and he said God's about to cast a demon out of this woman and when it comes out of her it's going to be looking for a home you better get right with God or get out of here that night under that tent I kid you not as soon as he said that car door slamming tires screeching left that place asked my wife and that preacher waited and while he waited I kept inching up forward and my wife's like where are you going and then my heart is beating in my chest she's like hey hey where are you going and I'm like I got to go see this thing and I got up front and stood there a three-week-old Christian never seen anything like this in my life and that preacher raised his hand He never touched that woman. And he said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And that demon left that woman. And right there, God spoke to me instantly. He said, you just thought the adventure was over. Now I'm calling you to chase devils. Come on, somebody. The best is yet to come. And from 1992 until then, I I kid you not, you can ask my wife and my kids, I've been chasing devils every day. Sometimes they'll go, please don't chase that one. Leave that one alone. Like, no, no, no. God is for those who turn the battle to the gate. God is for strength for those who turn the battle to the gate. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Don't doubt in dark. But God has spoken to you in light. And every person in this room, God has spoken to you. He has given you a promise. And when fear creeps into our hearts and lives because of the things we go through, negative. 
there's a lighthouse called the Word of God that's shining. I'm going to make it through. God has not brought me this far to die. I need you to stand with me in this place. Hallelujah. He's the God of revival. Oh, oh. We believe you, Lord. Lord, let this word sit in our heart. Praise binds the devil. Praise confuses his schemes. Praise creates an atmosphere for the power of God to manifest. Praise opens doors and closes doors. Praise strikes at the foundation of the strategy of the enemy. came up to me I was in the back and I admit that 
I seen them praying for each other and prophesying with each other and I would sneak around just to listen to what they were having to say, what God was speaking to them. And one of them came up to me and said, how, how, do, we, how do we know the miracles of God? And I felt the Spirit of God just say to me, don't preconceive it. Sometimes we come into a situation with our own ideas about what God needs to do in order to do a miracle. This is why they missed it here when the prophet said this time tomorrow, things are going to change. Because see, in the, in the right hand man, uh, the king's right hand man in his mind, he was thinking of all the things that were going to have to happen in order for that to be. It can't happen in 24 hours. But see, he couldn't see the miracle of God because he's trying to preconceive. He said, even if God opens the windows of heaven, it can't happen. Don't walk into the room preconceived about what God already has planned. Just receive God in his moving. And so, Father, right now, I just want to pray for us, this word, this stirring. Help us to posture our hearts, God, to say we are open. God, sometimes you speak something so powerful. You speak something so amazing that our mind can't fathom how it would happen. But God, we release that to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we say, Jesus, in every moment and every situation, Jesus, you be Jesus. You be Jesus. Because you will scatter the schemes of the enemy. You will defeat the army. The battle belongs to the Lord, saith God. So, God, we surrender to you. And we ask you, God, to manifest your glory among your people so that a lost and dying world see you for who you are. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I have a phone that was found in the ladies' bathroom. Uh, It's a picture of a beautiful young lady on the front of it. If it's yours, come and see me.